Hey there, my name is Roy, and I am the lead pastor here at Arthur Pentecostal Assembly. And we're glad you've joined us today. You've joined us for a part two of our summer hymn series. Uh, we're, we're glad that you've joined us. Maybe sit back, get a refill on your coffee, and just kind of settle in as we look at today's hymn. We began this series that's going to take us right through the whole summer. And many of the, these, these hymns are, are songs that the church holds dear. They have a lot of history to them. Maybe you grew up in church singing these songs. Maybe your grandparents sang some of these songs. And at APA, it's our desire when we're putting together a worship mix. Um, we want to we mix modern worship. I love modern worship, but we also have a growing appreciation of some of the beloved songs of our past. And so we like to mix in hymns with our modern worship songs. And let's be honest, there are a lot of hymns. A lot of hymns. Some are popular that many people know, and some are not. That You probably don't know a single word to some of the hymns. I, I know many times our prayer group on a Wednesday night when we were meeting in person, we would often grab the hymn book and we would sing a few different of the different hymns. And, and uh, most people in the room were older than, than I was, and they had sung these hymns. And some of these hymns I'd never heard before in my life. I'd never sung that song to my knowledge before. Do you know that there are hymns that are very popular with different number of professions? For example, for example, fishermen love to sing, shall we gather at the river? Dentists like to sing, crown him with many crowns. Baseball players, seek thee first. Canada Revenue Agency, all to thee I owe. Obstetricians, he is able to deliver thee. Bargain shoppers love Sweet by and by, and Taylor's love, holy, holy, holy. Well, today we're looking at a hymn that is very familiar to many. It is well with my soul. And as you sing this song, you might, you might, you might assume that when you're reading the lyrics or you're singing the lyrics, that the person who wrote this song, maybe they led a very content life. The, the things, everything is well with their soul, a life of comfort or, or of ease. But as you read the story behind the, the hymn, you find it's quite the opposite. Horatio G. Spafford was a successful lawyer and a real estate investor in Chicago during the late 1800s. He seemed to have it all. He had a loving wife named Anna. He had five great children. And he made a series of really wise and smart real estate investments that had put him and his family in this great place financially. They were devout Christians and they were friends to the, uh, the famous evangelist and pastor D.L. Moody. They just, life just seemed good. But all that was about to change. One of their kids, their only boy, died at the age of four of scarlet fever. In that same year, most of the properties that Horatio had invested in that were, that were making him so much money went up in flames during the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. It was a horrific year. Things had went south quickly. The loss of their son and most of their fortune had taken a toll on their family over the next couple years. Anna, his wife, struggled deeply with grief. So Horatio decided the family needed to get away. They were going to take a trip to Europe and get their mind off their current circumstances and perhaps help with the healing of their grief. They would join famous evangelist and family friend D.L. Moody in his latest crusade across Great Britain. And so at the last minute, 
Horatio had a business deal that came up in New York that needed his attention right away. So he put his, his, his wife, Anna, and their, their four daughters, uh, Annie, aged 11, Margaret Lee, aged 9, Bessie, aged 5, and Tanetta, who was 2. He would put them on the boat, tie up the loose ends he needed to, and then he'd catch the next boat a couple days later, and he'd join them in Great Britain a couple days after. However, tragedy struck the family again. This time, another ship, the Loch Urn from Scotland, collided with their boat, the SS Ville de Havre, and Anna and the girls were woken by the impact. The boat began to go down. In fact, it would go, as they say, it went down in about 12 minutes total. One of the biggest, one of the biggest disasters on the seas until the, until the Titanic. Anna tried to keep her girls together but was separated from the two oldest in all the confusion. Anna was washed overboard, holding on to the two youngest. She held on to five-year-old Bessie as long as she could, but eventually she lost grip of her and then lost grip of two-year-old Tanetta. Crew of the locker and found Anna floating unconscious on a wooden plank. She was the only one of her family who made it. 226 passengers and crew died that day. Anna was one of 47 survivors. Upon her arrival a few days later in Wales, Anna Spafford sent a six-word telegram back to her husband. Saved alone, what shall I do? Horatio boarded the, the ship the next day from New York to be with his wife. And as they were passing over a particular spot on the water. The captain of the ship, having heard of Horatio's tragedy, summonsed him to the bridge to show him that the, this is the approximate spot that your family's ship went down. As unsettling it was to know that he had passed over the spot where his family suffered an unspeakable tragedy, Horatio felt this sense of peace. He would go back to his cabin and write down words of a poem that came to him. When peace like a river, attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Hymn writer Philip Paul Bliss, also a friend of D.L. Moody, came across Horatio's poem and merged it with a song that he composed but had no lyrics to. He called, first called the hymn, Build to Have, uh, after the ship that tragically went down, but later changed it when merged with Horatio's lyrics to It Is Well With My Soul. Yes, as you can see, It Is Well With My Soul is much more than a song. It was an anthem of healing for the Spafford family, one that had deep meaning for Horatio and Anna. Sometimes songs have this way of expressing our faith. How do you sing in the middle of pain? How do you worship in the middle of your darkness? Well, Colossians 3, verse 15 says, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its riches fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. You see, this isn't a suggestion. It's actually a command. 
It's not when things are going well, when you've got everything in line, when life is, is better, we'll sing a song to Jesus. Instead, he says, if you want the peace of Jesus to exist in your chaos, and that's exactly what Horatio Spafford was sensing when he was on the waters as he passed over his daughter's watery grave. He felt this peace. If you want this type of peace, sing, worship. Horatio had this song in his heart that he had to get onto paper. Colossians calls for a peace that can only come from Jesus. Let his message fill your lives, and the overflow is a thankful heart that sings psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, giving thanks. Today we look at four things we can do when it feels like it is not well with my soul. Number one, sing out. It's interesting to note that the longest book in the Bible is Psalms, the one full of songs. It's like God saying, I'm going to give you more songs than anything else. There's a reason why we sing at church, and it's not just to fill the time. There's something in us that needs to express our worship to God. If you're new to church or you've been to church a few times, it may seem strange that we spend so much time singing. Why is that? Well, I remember at one point, I led a once a month junior high class during Sunday services. We'd take them out of service once a month so we could explain some things that we don't always explain in big church. Things like baptism, things like communion, things like why do people raise their hands when they sing? All these little things. Sometimes we would just look at the lyrics of the song. There's so much symbolism in some of the songs that we sing on a Sunday morning that if you're like a 12-year-old, you're like, I have no idea what that means. And we would take a look at the passage of Scripture. This is, this, it was inspired by this passage of Scripture and this story. That's why we sing this. And so at one point I asked them if they had any questions. And one young girl said this. She said, why do we sing the songs over and over and over and over? It's like, when I listen to the, the radio, the song lasts about three minutes. But sometimes a song in church will last like 10 minutes or, or even more, which is a great question. And here's the best I could explain it was this. It's, it's more than a song. It's worship. See, when you, I, I told her, when you see, you've, you've seen God be faithful in your life and you've seen him come through, when you, when you realize I'm so thankful for the blessings that I have in my life, and the people that are in my life, when you fully grasp how merciful and how good God is, it's not a song that you're just trying to get to the end of. It's a song that comes from your heart that you never want to end. You see, scientists have discovered that our brains treat words and phrases differently in the way we store and categorize things when put to music. It's the reason why you go to the grocery store and you can't remember three things that are on that list, but if I sing, give me a brick, give me a brick, break me off a piece of that. That's right, Kit Kat bar. I mean, that commercial, if you were able to finish that, that commercial is from 1986, 35 years ago. And it's stuck in your head because it was put to music. The number one jingle is the McDonald's jingle to all beef patty, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Once, once you put it to music... It just, it sticks. It's like, how do I know all the ingredients to a Big Mac? We need the, to have the word of God come off our lips is easy. Your heart needs a song that defaults to in times of trouble. 
so that you sing it out. Sing out loud when your soul is well, so that you will have a song when your soul isn't feeling well. Maybe you've been a Christian a long time, and maybe you've come to the singing part of a service, and you've seen it as routine or something you just need to endure. And so you sing sometimes. You don't sing for other songs that maybe you don't like, as if if it's about you. Sing out. Sing your song. Number two, sing now. See, when we sing songs of praise, like I said to that junior high girl, it's more than a song. It's it's praise that shifts our situation. The, The time to sing is not when we feel like it. There's a story in Acts when Paul and Silas are arrested. And they're arrested because they cast demons out of this slave girl that could see into the future. And, and this, this demon was allowing her to see into the future. And, the, and, and, and she was able to see that Paul and Silas were prophets. And so they drive this demon out of her. And the owner of the slave girl, well, they made money from her, her abilities. And when the spirit was driven out of her, so was their money maker. And so they turn the crowd on Paul and Silas and have them thrown in jail. And it says, a mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden, wooden rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. See, I don't know about you, but my response in the moment may be, if I'd just been beaten and thrown in jail for basically no reason... It would be anger. I'd be distraught. I'd be depressed. I would question, why me? I'd be questioning, God, why? But look at Paul and Silas' response. It says, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. They were praying and singing hymns. See, when Paul and Silas were, were felt surrounded and chained, they sang songs that reminded them that God, of God's deliverance and God's freedom. And when they sang of his deliverance, they literally were delivered. Verse 26 says, Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. See, when you choose to sing of God's goodness, not when things get better, but in the middle of your jail, it has this way of shaking the foundations of your circumstance. But if you and I decide we're going to put off praying, we're going to put off singing, if we delay, often what we do is we delay the deliverance God wants to bring to us. Here's the thing that stops us at times, and maybe it comes out of guilt. When you're going through something that's terrible, something tragic, We think, I don't want to sing. I don't feel like singing. I mean, why would I sing a joyful song to God when I feel the way I feel? It would feel like I'm being disingenuous, almost hypocritical. And maybe Paul and Silas felt this way. It says the other prisoners were listening. And maybe some of them were thinking that Paul and Silas were crazy. Like they had not accepted their reality. Like they were, they were, these were the songs of two people that were in denial. But Paul and Silas had sung these songs before. When there were no shackles on their feet and prison walls around them. Nothing had changed as far as their God went, as far as his plan, his will, and his character. So why should their song change? And so they weren't going to wait for the situation to change to offer up praises. They were going to sing. They were going to sing now. Listen to David's song in Psalm 40. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. 
He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He, gave, he has given me a new song to sing and a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what, has, what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. See, David's song didn't come from his, his victories when things were good. His song of praise came out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and mire. See, perhaps the truest form of worship that we can give is when we offer up songs of praise when we don't feel like it, when we are in the pit of despair. For those of you that are parents, think of it this way. When your child has just opened all of their Christmas gifts and got everything that they wanted and they turn to you and say, thanks, mom, thanks, dad, I love you. That's great. And then there's no doubt we, we want them to be thankful in the good times and for their blessings. But imagine you've just lost everything. You lost your job, lost your home, sold all your possessions to pay all your debts, and you're on the street, moving from homeless shelter to homeless shelter. And your child looks up at you and hungry and with next to nothing and clinging to your hand and clinging to a little bit of hope, and they say, thanks, Mom. Thanks, Dad. I love you. There's just something so pure about that and so you need to decide that my circumstances won't squash my song because my song is based on the truth that i believe about god because because even when i don't feel like it even when my heart is crushed i will sing and it won't be hypocrisy and it won't be me in denial i will worship now because i i need his peace now i need his comfort now I need his deliverance now, so I will sing now. Number three, Selah. There's, there's a word you see in the Psalms that David uses often. It's the word Selah. The Hebrew word is found 74 times in the Bible. 71 of those are in the Psalms. It is thought to be a musical word meaning pause or intermission. It's the deep breath between two verses in the chorus, between verses in the chorus. It's often thought that it's a word to pause and reflect. Let the song continue, but just the instruments while you listen and gather yourself for the next verse. Worship allows us to take our eyes off of our own circumstances for a moment and lift them upwards. And so when we are going through tragedy, when we feel like we just... We should just press on. We should just keep going. God says, Sila, pause, reflect, take a breath. Don't lose your song. Keep your song going. But for now, let the instruments take over. Take a breath, keep worshiping, and get ready for the next verse. Horatio Spafford, he's just lost his son two years ago and He's lost his financial fortune. And word comes back to him that he's lost his four girls. And now his wife is in England. And I'm sure he wants to just get to her. If it were today, we'd be on the first flight there, the red eye or whatever, the fastest flight we could to get by her side. But instead, Horatio would be looking at roughly six days to cross the Atlantic. And it was time that he would need. It was Sila. For Anna Spafford, she would spend... Those next days contemplating, why did I survive and my daughters didn't? 
It's during this Selah that Anna would later testify that God would whisper to her spirit six words. You were saved for a purpose. It wasn't every answer that she needed. And her healing would take time, but God was preparing her to be used to do great things. Continue to worship in your deep pit. Even if you have to take time and let the instruments take over, don't stop your song of worship. For some of us, when life deals us a blow, our way of handling it is just keep busy. Keep going. Keep doing. If I stay busy, then I don't have to let my mind think about what has happened, or I don't have to deal with the pain. I don't have to confront the hard things. But God says, Sila, pause, take a breath. Now sing again. Look at the lyrics that Horatio Spafford writes. And it doesn't diminish the tragedy of what, what's happened, but it focuses on the hope that now lies within him during this intermission. He says, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath, re hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. For me, be it Christ, be it Christ, hence to live, if Jordan above me shall roll, no pang shall be mine, for in death as in life, thou wilt whisper thy peace to my soul. See, the sila produces the rest of the song in your heart. You need to give yourself that time. And like David said, he's now given me a new song to sing. And number four, share your song. When you find yourself in whatever your pit of despair is, Sing out the new song that God has put on your heart. Don't wait. Sing right now. But also slow down, pause, reflect, sila, while the instruments play. Allow God to give you the next verses. Maybe it's a new verse. Maybe it's a new song. Then share your song. See, God often delivers you out of your situation so you can lead others out of the same similar situation. He gives you a new song that he wants you to teach to others. In many of David's song, psalms and songs, he begins with this heartfelt cry of despair. But as the psalm continues, as you work your way through it, you will notice that he shifts his lyrics from questions and despair to praise. 71 times during the, the psalms, he uses the word sila, pause. Then often the lyrics will shift from praise to encouraging others to join in. Look at the last line of Psalm 32. He goes from despair to praise to Selah to verse 11. The last line, he says, So rejoice in the Lord and be glad. All you who obey him, shout for joy. All you whose hearts are pure. Share your song. Share your song. Horatio and Anna Spafford. Well, they would go on to have three more children. And tragedy struck again. Horatio Jr., who would die from scarlet fever at the age of three. But they would go on to have two more daughters, Bertha and Grace. And their family would move to Jerusalem where they would establish a place where they cared for the needy, the sick, the poor, and the homeless children. During World War I, they would, they would become a soup kitchen for those that needed food. And born out of that is what now stands in Jerusalem today as the Spafford Children's Center, established by Bertha Spafford who look after the kids that are neglected and, and forgotten. None of that happens without a family, 
that had a song in their heart that shared their song and a God who gave them a new song. Let's pray. Father God, there's many that are listening today that have gone through tragedy, gone through pain, maybe lost a loved one, lost a business, lost a relationship, a marriage. God, have, they've struggled at times. Maybe they're going through it right now. And God, as they hear my voice today, God, I pray that you would encourage them to keep singing, not to lose their song. Encourage them to, to praise you in the middle of this, God, and allow them, allow you to start healing their heart. Allow you to start releasing them from their, their pain. Allow them, allow them to start moving towards freedom and reconciliation and healing. God, I pray that in the middle of all this, that as we continue to sing, and worship. We center everything that we sing on your truth and on your promises. Ultimately, God, as you lead us out into this next stage, into this next verse, we'd be able to share our song with others and help lead them to find their next song. So God, I pray your blessing on each person that's listening today. I pray for healing I pray for peace that only you can bring. And I pray for your comfort. Amen.